This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of May 16th, 2022, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. If Mark Myers wasn't already the mayor of Greenwood, I suspect he's the kind of guy people in town would call Mr. Mayor anyway, due to his record of public service. His father, Larry Myers, served a term as mayor in the 1970s. Larry Myers had founded an ambulance service in Greenwood, and young Mark was going out on calls as early as age 14. He was a member of the Greenwood Police Department for 14 years. He also served in Greenwood's Volunteer Fire Department. Now, he and his family left Greenwood for a while to answer a higher calling. Mark served as a missionary with World Gospel Mission from 1997 to 2001, and then was director of security for the U.S. Embassy in Paraguay from 2001 to 2002. Returning to Greenwood, he worked for private security and construction safety firms before being elected mayor in 2011. One other thing, he became a reserve deputy sheriff for the Johnson County Sheriff's Office in 2009, and that is a role he has continued to fill when needed for the last 13 years. Greenwood's population has grown from about 20,000 people in 1980 to more than 64,000 today. Myers is a Greenwood native with deep roots, but that doesn't mean his tenure as mayor has been based on nostalgia. He grew up a few blocks from Greenwood's modest downtown, and one of his primary goals as mayor has been to preserve its historic feel while reinvigorating the area with initiatives to improve streets, sidewalks, building facades, and parkland. The city is in the middle of its biggest swing yet, a $92 million mixed-use redevelopment project called the Madison, taking shape on a 19-acre site in downtown Greenwood that formerly was the site of Greenwood Middle School. It's expected to include 329 upscale apartments, nearly 20,000 square feet of retail space, 18 townhouses, and potentially more than 40 condominiums. Carmel-based CRG Residential and South Bend-based Great Lakes Capital are handling the residential and retail portions of the development and shouldering about $68 million of the project cost. The project also includes a 65,000-square-foot athletic facility for Greenwood residents that opened in early May. For this week's edition of the podcast, we asked Mayor Myers to dig into his strategy for downtown as the city grows. But I also wanted to spend some time talking about the journey that brought him to the mayor's office after decades of public service. Here's our conversation. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Mark Myers, mayor of Greenwood, Indiana. Mark, thanks so much for taking time today. Hey, thanks for having me on this morning, Mason. Let's uh, talk first about downtown Greenwood. Now, mm-hmm. tell me if I'm wrong here. You grew up about four blocks from what we call Greenwood's old town. Is that right? Correct. Um, Four blocks from my current office. Now, what is old town? Is that synonymous with downtown? Old town is downtown. It's the heart of the city where Greenwood originally started and then built north. What was it like when you were growing up? Uh, It was a lot of fun. All the neighbors knew each other. You know, that was back in the early seventies, you'd get out, play football, play baseball in one of the neighbor's yards rode your bike everywhere you went. Our downtown was bustling. It had a little grocery store, a drug store, uh, a lot of 
other stores. I remember the old Browning shoe shop where you could go get your shoes repaired while you waited. Uh, a hardware store was downtown. It was a bustling downtown. And what happened to it over the intervening 50 years? Over time, it just started getting ran down. People weren't taking care of it. It really started closing up. I would say that when I came into office in uh, 2012, there were probably 75% vacancy in the downtown businesses right here on the main corner of Maine and Madison. People had just moved out, uh, didn't want to be a part of downtown, didn't see a lot of interest from the city. In fact, the building that our offices currently sit in was is a it is a four story building that was originally built as the offices for the National Bank of Greenwood. It was sitting here vacant for seven years, so downtown had really just deteriorated. Is it safe to say that the question of how to reinvigorate Greenwood's downtown was one of the primary reasons that you entered the mayor's race in two thousand eleven? Yes. A lot of what was being talked about by the former administration was literally tearing down a lot of the businesses on the south side of Main Street from Madison Avenue out to Meridian Street, widening the road, putting in a big roundabout in the heart of downtown, and really taking away the history and nostalgia of downtown Greenwood. Mm. And uh, a lot of people contacted me. They were upset about that. They were upset that things had gone stagnant. You know, I didn't want to see it change because I grew up here. I loved it. I still love downtown and I wanted to see it come back to life. So that was a lot of prompting for me to run for office. So then how do you describe your approach to downtown over the last 10 years? When I came into office, uh, you know, one of the first things that we did was we bought this building we're currently in to proved to the people that our administration wanted to see downtown get revived. And we bought this building, we gutted it inside and out from the floor to the ceiling and redid the whole thing and showed that we cared about downtown. And at the same time, we were able to bring all of our offices under one roof, which was a goal. But we also showed the business owners and and we talked to the business owners and let them know that we want downtown to become alive again. There were some businesses just north of here that had started opening up in in homes. Uh, Vino Villa is one, for example, that's a a wine and cheese. Now it's a nice restaurant as well. It started out as an old three-story home that uh, the owner bought, redid the whole thing, recreated it brought a lot of life into his area, but we wanted to see that life breathed into the downtown area. And then we went further. We talked to a lot of the business owners to talk to them about doing a facade enhancement grant. They liked the idea. So we applied to Okra and got a $400,000 facade enhancement grant. And then we asked the business owners to pay 20% and the city picked up the rest, which ended up being about $1.9 million to redo 22 of the 33 facades on the businesses right in the main downtown area. And that really took off and that breathed life into the, to the businesses themselves, the businesses 
we're now roughly 90 to 95% occupied with new businesses, restaurants, microbrews, realtors, you name it. We've got them downtown now. And then that morphed into the neighborhood surrounding because a lot of the neighborhoods surrounding downtown had started going into disrepair as well. And we noticed a lot of younger people wanting to live in the downtown area to be a part of the downtown, to be able to walk wherever they wanted to go. And so they started buying homes, fixing up those homes. And I mean, fixing up those homes. They're beautiful. We just continued with that whole project, taking Madison Avenue, which is the main street that goes north and south through the city, and redoing it, putting in walking trails, bike paths, uh, redoing the roads, putting in storm systems. And we pumped a lot of money into it, but it has really made our downtown area just explode in a great way. How much would you say uh, the city has invested so far in downtown? Wow. That's kind of hard to say because just south of down, you know, a block south, we, we just redid our old city park, which is really the oldest city park. We put $5 million in that. Uh, we put $1.9 million in the facade enhancement. The Madison Avenue Trail Project, uh, probably $15 million on that at least. We purchased the old middle school property. For a million dollars, we are putting $12 million into new roads, sewers, stormwater detention into that area. We tore down the middle school itself, kept the North Gymnasium and turned that into a downtown field house. That was $9 million. And with that, we've had the CRG group and Great Lakes Capital come in and purchase that property from us. They're putting in $68 million dollars of their own money. So we've got a great public private partnership going on there. You know, I couldn't put a total dollar amount on it, but we're looking at, at a large amount of money, but it's, it's paying us back. Where does, where does the money come from? The majority of it is all TIF funding. It's from the businesses that we have coming into the downtown area and also from the East side, because it directly benefits the East side of the city to have these amenities that we're putting in. So when you say TIF funding, it's uh, it's a situation where you purchase bonds to pay for improvements and then property taxes from the improvements come back to pay back the bonds. Is that correct? And it's property taxes from the businesses, not from the residential. Now there, there is residential bond also included on one of the projects but a lot of the projects are all based on the businesses themselves. The, the project that you just referred to, um, this sort of large scale uh, development project, I think we call it the Madison, is that right? Correct. Uh, and, and again, can I outline what that is? And it, it includes the, uh, the area where the middle school used to be? Sure. It is a total of seven buildings. Two of them are uh, nine townhouses per building. So 18 townhomes. There will be one building with approximately 44 condominiums. And then there will be four other buildings that are mixed use commercial retail and residential apartments that are about 329 apartments and roughly 18,000 square feet of commercial space. 
That is a lot of apartments. <laughs> that is a lot. We're looking at about a thousand people. We're going to pump into the downtown area. Again, this is all luxury residential units. Uh, very beautiful for the area. It's just going to just make downtown pop even more. And, and why are you confident that uh, there will be a thousand people that are interested in running those places? We currently have about a 0% vacancy rate in the city with residential as it is. And we started on a venture three years ago with the Garrett companies. They wanted to build the first luxury apartment complex in the city. And we helped them out with that, with a developer-backed bond. They brought in a luxury apartment complex that was full before it was finished. And so we know that the draw is here. We know that people want to be here. And just from the messages I get on either Facebook or Instagram or people writing into the city on, on our website, they want to be here. What, what do we need to do to get our name on the list to buy one of those or to rent one of those? So there, there's a huge call for it. So uh, tell me if I'm right. The field house opened. Was it on yes. Friday? It opened uh, a week ago, Friday. Yes. Okay. And it's fairly large, 65,000 square feet. Correct. 65,000 square feet. We took the gymnasium and added onto the front of it and put on an indoor turf field for soccer, futsal, lacrosse, even bocce ball courts. They, they built bocce ball courts to, that they can put on and take off of it. It's got an indoor basketball court that was original. We kept the original flooring, just redid it. Also converted those to three pickleball courts because we want to be the pickleball capital of the Midwest. We Wait have, a second. <laughs> Wait oh, a yeah. Second. We have, uh, I think, 14 or 16 pickleball courts now and more on the books to be built because everybody loves pickleball. Is there a tradition of pickleball in Greenwood I'm not aware of? Uh, it, yes. It is growing by leaps and bounds and people just... We, we can't put up enough courts. Wow. We're actually going to have a, a pints and pickleball tournament here in a couple of weeks that has about 150 teams registered for the weekend. That's amazing. Oh, it's crazy. People come from all over to come play pickleball. That's great. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that. Yes. Okay. And then we also put in uh, three golf simulators that I might have had my hand in. Up, upstairs, we have batting cages that uh, are also on a second indoor turf field, and the batting cages can come up and down. We can turn it back into a soccer field or smaller lacrosse field for uh, youth, uh, mainly the younger youth. It has a beautiful tenth of a mile indoor walking track that we added onto the building and meeting rooms that are for rent. Uh, it's just a great space, and it's beautiful, and we Saved a lot of the trophies from the middle school, a lot of the awards wall boards that were there, and we put all those back up, and people have been able to come back in and look at it and find their trophies or find their name on an awards board. And it's just been really exciting and, and an amazing turnout. Okay, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ Podcast. 
Taft, today's modern law firm. With more than 625 attorneys across 11 offices, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ Podcast and our interview with Greenwood Mayor Mark Myers. You know, this sounds to me kind of like a distillation of the playbook that we see, we've seen all over central Indiana over the last 20 years. Your Carmels, your Westfields, Noblesville, Fishers, where they want to uh, bolster, solidify, and, and develop a downtown area to create kind of a core uh, attraction and then also lean pretty heavy on uh, sports as a way to bring people in and as a way to, to serve the community. Uh, did you guys consciously look at what some of the other areas in central Indiana have been doing? Yeah, absolutely. We, you see what other people are doing. You know, I'm a part of the U S conference of mayors and also the national league of cities. So I, I get the opportunity to get out of Indiana and see what's going on around the, the nation. And nationwide, there's a huge push to make healthier communities. And with my background, I grew up, my mom and dad owned an ambulance service. So I've been around that since I was literally five years old. And I want Greenwood to be a healthy city, USA. That's why everything we do, we always add trails. We've got over 54 miles of trails in the city. We're constantly adding more mileage to those every year. Uh, we want the amenities. You know, we built an aquatic center six years ago, I believe it was. That's just state of the art. Love it. Um, it's packed when it's open. It's actually a moneymaker for the city. We've got 14 city parks. We're constantly adding acreage to the park program. I've got two more people willing to donate land right now as part of their developments for more parks for the city. So, yeah, we, we look at that. We see what's going on around, but we also want to make sure that we have those amenities so people can live, work, play, and stay right here in Greenwood and not have to go to the north side for that. We want them to have everything they, they want and need right here. When uh, would you expect the apartments to be finished? They are supposed to be done by June or July of 2023. Okay. And the townhomes? The townhomes will be pushed out further. They're, they're in the latter part of the construction project, so probably not till 2024. Hey, um, here's, here's a left field question. How old are you? I am uh, currently 59. Oh, so you're young. Okay, you're good. Yeah, I'm just a pup. Do I understand correctly you have six kids? I do. What are their ages? My oldest is 34, then 32, 30, 25, 23, and 21. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah, we're in the military, and uh, I have a daughter that teaches school down in Florida, and then two sons. One's a mortgage broker, and the other one works out in one of our uh, distribution facilities here in the city. So I'll, I'll go back in time real quick. Uh, for folks who aren't super acquainted with Greenwood, uh, it was incorporated as a town in 1864? Correct. Okay. About 100 years later, in 1960, it was designated as a city. Mm-hmm. In 1976, uh, a fellow named Larry Myers became the town's fifth mayor. 
What yes. is your relationship to uh, Larry Myers? That was my father. Okay. How much do you remember of his tenure as mayor? Quite a bit. Uh, Dad and I were really close. Dad was my best friend. And so I spent a lot of time with him. I would, uh, you know, back, back in the day, uh, that was when I was in middle school when he was elected. And so his office was literally next door to the school. Wait a second. So, you tore down your own middle school? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. They, they let me drive the, uh, the front end loader right through the front door. It was, oh, it was no. great. <laughs> cool. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. But yeah, dad's office was right next door to the middle school. And every day after school, I'd walk over and stop in the office and see him and talk to him. And I remember quite a bit about him being the mayor. So the population at that point, uh, Greenwood is less than 20,000. Today, it's about 64,000. Correct. Are there any lessons from your dad's term as mayor that translate to a city that's now three times as big? Uh, That you still have the same problems. Potholes need to be fixed. Sanitation's got to run. The snow's got to be plowed. And uh, people really don't like it when you plow in their driveways. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I remember dad when he was the mayor, you know, he was very close with the police department, the fire department, as am I. It was really neat when I came in and was elected because there was still probably 15 or 20 people that dad had hired. You know, it's like family. It's you come come to work and it's part of the family. And you go see these guys that have been here 40 years and we treat each other like family. Was your dad able to see you become mayor? No, my father was killed a month after he got out of office. Oh, I'm sorry. So back uh, February of uh, 1980. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. There was a um, there was a, a prior mayor, mayor uh, Mike Myers. Was that any relation to you guys? No relation at all. Okay. <laughs> and it's kind of like our clerk or city clerk right now, Janine Myers. We're not at all related, but she is related to Mike Myers. Okay, so definitely still kind of a small town feel. Yeah. So when you um you started working at the ambulance service mm-hmm. uh, that your your dad founded, uh, is that right? When you were maybe as young as like ten years old? Yeah. Dad would uh, come wake me up at night. Um, you know, part of what made Myers Ambulance grow and sustainable was we did a lot of calls for the funeral homes after hours. And so dad would wake me up and say, hey, you want to go with me to pick up a body? I'd be scared and go, hey, I'll, I'll take you to White Castle if we go. It's OK, I'll go. Yes. Bribery goes a long <laughs> way. Love my White Castles. OK, I saw I saw an interview with you at some point saying that you were started riding the ambulance and, uh, and we're, and we're working cardiac cases as early as 14, 14 years old. I worked my first cardiac arrest. Yeah. What, does that, what does that mean? Exactly. What were you doing? Uh, I was doing CPR on a man at 14. Oh my God. You know, I'd already been through back, you know, back in the day you had the old red cross standard and advanced first aid courses. And I'd been through both of those and, they allowed me to ride on the ambulance with, with our other people and kind of as a third person and I'd help out. And yeah, I had worked my first cardiac arrest when I was 14 doing CPR on a gentleman in the middle of the winter. How did he do? Yeah, not so well. Oh, I'm sorry. He, he did not make it. But you know, national statistics are 97% without advanced life support aren't going to make it. So. Mm. Well, it's amazing because you, you kind of transitioned from that to 
this it's career, it's, it's lifelong career uh, in different kinds of public service. But I did want to ask you real quick. You said while we we're talking before we started the interview that you went to seminary. Yes. So when I was about 33, it was 1994, I got hit by that proverbial bolt of lightning. I was actually the uh, head of investigations for the Greenwood Police Department. And uh, God pretty much talked to me and said, give it up. You're going to go to work for me. And I became a missionary. Went to seminary in Jackson, Mississippi for two years. And then I moved to Paraguay, South America. So what, what, were your, what was your family doing? Did they come along? Yeah. Uh, at that time, I had three children and, and my wife at the time. And uh, we, we moved to Costa Rica for a year for language school. And then uh, from Costa Rica, we moved to Paraguay. And uh, while we were in Paraguay, we adopted two, two kids while we were there. And then uh, my uh, sixth child. She uh, amazingly showed up one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, um, you know, one of those little surprise babies. There you go. Six kids. Yep. So how long were you a missionary? I was a missionary for four years. I, I was pastoring uh, three different churches in Paraguay. Two of them were out in the middle of nowhere. And one of them uh, was in Asuncion, Paraguay the capital. And then um, some things happened and I left the mission, got hired by the U.S. Embassy right after 9-11 and was the uh, director of security for the U.S. Embassy for a little over a year. Yeah. And th this is a good good time to, to go backwards for a second because I don't want to gloss over this. You uh, worked for the Grunewald Police Department for 14 years, including at least some of that as a detective. Right. Nine years as a detective. I started out as a reserve, worked as a reserve for three years, and I worked the road division, and then I went into investigations right after being a year on the road. And so you could use some of that experience, I would assume, uh, to work security for the embassy. Yes, that, that helped quite a bit. One of the things that I did with the police department back in the day, we had a dignitary protection unit. There were five of us that all been to different trainings for dignitary protection of all different types, even went to the Secret Service Academy for special operations briefing courses. And uh, I was able to use those to help. My job was a contractor at the embassy, and I was in charge of the internal security of the embassy itself and also the external security of all the diplomatic residences throughout the area. So there was about 60 homes we patrolled, took care of the U.S. Embassy, the uh, Peace Corps office, and the U.S. Agency for International Development. I'm going to go backwards one more time. So, so the moment where you feel like you got uh, a strong message from God about, about becoming a missionary, can you say anything more about that? Was there an event in particular? Yeah, I was, um, I was at a missions conference at our church. You know, my wife had gone on a couple missions trips and she kept coming back saying, hey, we're going to be missionaries. It's like, hey, no, we're not. <laughs> I've got a great job, love what I'm doing, have no intention of being a missionary. And there was a missions conference at my church and uh, she conned me into going because my oldest son was in the choir yeah. and they were singing at the, at the conference. And so dad had to go watch his boy sing. And as this pastor from Africa was up preaching, I just 
really felt the tug of God on my heart saying, give it up and go to work for me. Wow. That's amazing. It was very strong and very powerful. Then how did you end up back in Greenwood? Well, after we got done working in Paraguay, we moved back to Greenwood because, you know, that's home. Yeah. And uh, I started a job working security for uh, the same company that I was actually working for in Paraguay, Black and Hutt Security. And roundabout things happened. I got a job working uh, construction safety, working mainly inside of Eli Lilly, doing construction safety. And I was also a reserve police officer at the time for the Southport Police. And then I switched to the Johnson County Sheriff's Office as a reserve down there, still working at Lilly's full-time. And just out of the blue, people started calling me up in 2010 saying, hey, you see what's going on in, with, with, in Greenwood? And it's like, yeah. It's like, well, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. I got a great job. It's like, you need to run for mayor. And I, at that time, I had no intention of being the mayor whatsoever. You know, I had a great job great hours, good pay. I was happy at Lily and uh, enough people called me that finally uh, talked to my wife about it. She said, we ought to pray about it. And here we are. Wow. Greatest decision I made. Is that right? You feel like that was the best decision? I absolutely love this job. You know, when you can come to work every day and make a difference, you love the people you work with. uh, You love what you do. It's, it's not really a job. It's just coming in and, doing what's right. How did he enjoy the, the politics of, of that kind of job? Uh, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> the, the nice thing about being mayor, and, you know, I talk with a lot of my friends are, who are mayors, is politics really doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat when you're the mayor. What matters is you've got a city to run and you've got streets to take care of. You've got sanitation to take care of you've got new businesses coming in that you've got to take care of and that doesn't mean you're a republican or a democrat that means you're doing the job as the ceo of a city mm-hmm. and you mentioned uh being a reserve deputy mm-hmm. uh, for the johnson county sheriff's office correct you are still according to your linkedin profile you are still a reserve i am still deputy. a reserve for why are you still a reserve deputy? you're the mayor now so they don't let me go out and work the road anymore. They say I'm a detriment for some reason. The sheriff and I are really, really close. We've been good friends for over 30 years. And uh, I love him like a brother. And he'll, he, he allows me to con- maintain my reserve deputy powers. I'll still work special events for him if they need uh, help, like at the county fair or escorts during different parades or work different things like that. I love volunteering for the community and I love giving my time back to the community and law enforcement's just in my blood and I, I love it and I enjoy it. And at the same time, I, you know, I have my police powers. I keep all my in-service training up. And uh, if uh, I see something going on, I can stop and back up our officers or the deputies or whatever. And I just want to be there to help. That's incredible. I did want to ask you in, um, in December 2019, you announced that you had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Yes. Uh, can you explain, for folks who aren't super familiar with it, what that is and how it affects you from day to day? Well, it started out with, um, they called it a benign tremor in my left arm. 
I actually thought it was due to a neck injury that I had and nerve damage. And I've been being treated for that. Uh, it, and all it is, is a tremor in my left arm. That's all it's affected. I'm, I'm fortunate that way that it's limited to one, one specific area. In a way, it's really been a good thing for me because one, a couple of the treatments for Parkinson's is uh, boxing. Because mm-hmm. as you have the impact, as you hit things, that impact sends a shock up through your arm into your brain and stirs the endorphins in your brain to help pr- produce dopamine, which is what my body was lacking, which is what caused it. And so I took up boxing right after that. And I've been doing it ever since. And honestly, I feel better now than I have in years. I'm in better physical shape than I have been in years. And I still box three days a week at least. And um, it, it wasn't a good thing, but you just take take it and make the best of it. Yeah, boxing training is no joke. No, it, it's not. Um, it's a 30-minute. Uh, it's called nine rounds kickboxing, and there's nine stations, and it's 30 minutes. It's nonstop. It's high cardio, and when you're done, uh, wow, you're you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, that first couple months, it was tough. It still is tough, but in February, you announced you'll be seeking a fourth term. Are you still on for that fourth term? Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely. What do you say to constituents who hear that you have Parkinson's and think, well, that sounds like it could be trouble. I could limit his effectiveness. There's a couple that say that, and um, the rest of them. All uh, people will ask me all the time, hey, how, how are you doing? How's your health? And because I'm open about it, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed about it. I actually want to promote it. I want people to understand what it is and that, that there is help for it. And I the, have an amazingly large group of support. Uh, people constantly tell me they're praying for me every day. They're thinking about me every day, wanting to know how I'm doing. And it's it's been very positive. Uh, when is the election? Uh, next year, 2023. So not till November, 2023. Yeah. For Johnson County it's technically may the oh, okay. primary is the big one. Right. Well, maybe we'll, we'll check in here, uh, before all that and see how things are going. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking with you. What, what an incredible life you've had so far. Uh, thank you, Mason. I, you know, I've had a very blessed life. I'm very fortunate. And like I said, I love what I do and I want to keep doing it and making Greenwood better every day. My thanks again to Mayor Mark Myers. If you're interested in learning more about all the new developments in Greenwood, hop on over to IPJ.com and type Greenwood into the search field. And before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories and features in the latest issue of IBJ I want to draw to your attention. First up, the owners of the Willows Event Center, tucked into a White River Oxbow just north of Broderpool, want to redevelop the site with more than 250 apartments and townhouses. Mickey Shuey reports on the tidal wave of opposition to the project from prominent and well-heeled local residents who fear the project is too big and could exacerbate traffic hazards along this tricky portion of Westfield Boulevard. Also in this week's issue, Dave Lindquist outlines a new program encouraging Indianapolis employers to pay workers at least $18 per hour based on the theory that higher wages will result in lower staff turnover and higher productivity. 
And we honor the city's top physicians, researchers, volunteers, and community health providers in IBJ's annual Healthcare Heroes Awards program. Again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. I will say, it is quite a bit easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on Central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. It works out to about $2 per week for actionable information you're not going to find anywhere else. Just go to IBJ.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast, which is edited by Leslie Weidenbenner. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week.